The earliest records of civilization in the Milky Way speak of the precursors. These godlike beings are believed to have created other sentient races before departing the galaxy, leaving behind only faint traces of their existence scattered across distant worlds. Long after the precursors' exodus, when knowledge of their kind had nearly passed out of memory, one of the races they created, the Forerunners, managed to achieve extraordinary things on their own, including interstellar travel through a dimension known as slipspace, and even the ability to create artificial worlds. The Forerunners' way of life revolved around a philosophy inherited from the Precursors. This was known as the Mantle of Responsibility. They believed that the galaxy, and specifically life in all its forms, must be protected by the most advanced of sentient species. Those who bore the mantle were charged with governing and caring for all life in the galaxy, but such power made the Forerunners arrogant. The Forerunners' pride would not go unchecked. They would soon be judged by the Precursors who did not approve of their brash claim to the mantle. The Precursors planned to wipe out the Forerunner race, strip the mantle from them, and give it to another species deemed worthy. The Forerunners discovered this harrowing information on a fortuitous expedition to the Greater Magellanic Cloud, a neighboring galaxy also known as Path Cathona, where they encountered their creators. The Forerunner leadership was determined to prevent this fate. They struck at the Precursors with the largest military campaign ever witnessed. Only a fraction of their warriors returned, and for millennia the outcome of the conflict was kept a secret. This was not the last time the Forerunners would hear of the Precursors. Their markers had left something behind a dreadful creature known as the Primordial. Ancient humans, another of the races created by the Precursors, recovered this creature from a small moon in a distant arm of the Milky Way, alive but in deep hibernation. What the humans did not know was that the Primordial was in fact the last of the Precursors, evolved and mutated in order to survive the vast passage of time and to exact vengeance on those who had destroyed its kind. After the extermination of the Precursors, the Forerunners dominated the galaxy for millions of years, attaining technological superiority over all others, including ancient humankind. Their galaxy-spanning authority and power would eventually clash with the humans. When an ancient enemy emerged from the darkness outside the Milky Way. The Forerunner Empire was known as the Acumene, and at its peak was comprised of approximately three million habitable worlds. The centerpiece of their empire was the capital an immense and majestic artificial world which the Forerunners called Maithrilian. At the center of Forerunner culture, meanwhile, was the Domain, a vast immaterial database where all history, knowledge, and even life experiences were stored. The nature and origin of the Domain was a mystery to the Forerunners though some believed that it had been left behind by the Precursors. Forerunners were divided into a variety of castes, or rates, which defined their role in society. A combination of genetic engineering and biochemical manipulation gave each rate a distinctive appearance, and promotion was often accompanied by a physical mutation. Outside the borders of the Ecumene, two species, humanity and the Sanshayum, 
had already expanded well beyond their own respective cradle worlds, establishing colonies across their parts of the galaxy. Humans had evolved on Earth, which the forerunners called Erde Tyrene, while the Sanshayum had sprung up on Janjur Qualm, both lush and fertile planets. Eventually, these two species came in contact with each other, and formed an alliance centered on a world called Sharm Hakor. It blossomed and grew at remarkable pace. The long peace would not last forever. A mysterious, ravenous parasite known as the Flood emerged on human and Sanshayum worlds, forcing them into a desperate fight against annihilation. Insidious in design, the Flood began as virulent but seemingly harmless spores. The spores eventually began targeting sentient species, completely taking over their minds and bodies, mutating them into horrifically malformed creatures that were capable of directly infecting others. It consumed its prey with such speed and ferocity that the entire worlds and civilization were bought to ruins in mere days. If the parasite could not be contained, it would lead to the transformation of all sentient life into the Flood. At the height of the war against the Flood, the humans and the Sanshayum brought their military forces together under the leadership of a human named Forthensha. This master tactician was given the title Lord of Admirals. Although both species fought bravely for years, the Flood spread seemed unstoppable, and Forthensha spearheaded desperate efforts to contain the enemy. Without sentient beings to infect, the Flood could not expand. Forthensha therefore ordered the destruction of neighboring Forerunner worlds. This firebreak strategy was not only ethically dubious, but also risky. Destroying worlds in the path of the Flood's advance would eventually rouse the Forerunner war machine from its slumber. Tragically, the Forerunners were unaware of the human struggle against the Flood. To them, the destruction of their worlds was an unprovoked atrocity. They marshaled an enormous fleet in order to put an end to humanity's rampage. Leading the might of the Forerunners' forces was the esteemed military commander, Shadow of Sundered Star. Known to most simply as the Didact. Both the Didact and his wife, the Librarian, would come to play key roles in the Forerunners' engagement with the human species, ultimately setting the stage for a far greater struggle. The Forerunners struck worlds with overwhelming firepower. The humans and their Sanshayum allies were soon forced back to a handful of sites which had remained free of the Flood. After decades of war, the Didact launched a final attack against Charim Hakor, last of the human strongholds. The long siege would last three years, and exhaust all that remained of Forth and Cho's once vast military. In the end, however, it was a secret deal between the Forerunners and the Sanshayum that ultimately sealed the fate of humankind. The Sanshayum reluctantly agreed to subjugation and quarantine rather than extinction. They betrayed their alliance with the humans and allowed the security of Charm Hakor to be breached. Shortly after, the Didak forced forth and chose surrender, bringing an end to the brutal conflict. Only after the war did the Forerunners learn that humanity was also engaged in a struggle against the Flood. At some point during the war, the parasite mysteriously vanished, presumably fleeing into the outer reaches of the galaxy. This left the Forerunners with grave questions. 
even after the didact and his warriors had thoroughly crushed the human forces at Charm Hakor, the Forerunners wavered on whether to completely purge their enemies from the galaxy. Especially given that most believed the sudden departure of the Flood had somehow been caused by humans. Ultimately, in order to uphold the principles of the Mantle, the Council sentenced humanity to be devolved, reduced to a primitive state with little knowledge of their former glory, and landlocked back on their native world, Erde Tyrene. However, Forth and Cho, along with many other humans stationed on Charmacor, was subjected to the Composer, a powerful forerunner technology that transformed living beings into raw data. The Forerunners had designed the Composer as a way to cheat disease and death, copying their essences into younger bodies. The process, however, was never perfected. Attempts to integrate these composed essences into new bodies only resulted in disturbing abominations. In light of this, Forerunners had, for the most part, abandoned this effort until the technology could be more refined. Despite this limitation, the Forerunners surgically employed a network of composers to draw out the essences of humans on Charm Hakor. These essences would be locked away to be analyzed and studied, as the Forerunners hoped to determine if the humans had discovered a cure for the Flood. The Librarian, meanwhile, secretly integrated some of these essences into devolved humans on Erde Tyrene. Leaving their species to evolve on their own world might reveal the cure over time and aid the Forerunners, were the Flood ever to return to the Milky Way. The Diadach's elite Promethean warriors assaulted Sharm Hakor for three full years with little success. Without the Sanshayum's treachery, the deadlock might have remained indefinitely due to the planet's unique defenses. Charm Hakor was believed to be an artificial precursor hub world. The planet had been constructed using neural physical techniques millions of years before the war. This mysterious technology had been mastered by the precursors allowing them to create vast structures, even machines capable of moving entire worlds. Charm Hakor itself boasted a colossal armory, orbital arches, and immense cable-like mechanisms called star roads. Convinced that the Flood would one day return, many forerunners insisted that preparations must be made if they did not want to face the same peril as the humans. A number of proposals were considered by Forerunner leadership, but in the end, the Council decided in favor of an incredibly powerful and destructive weapon known as Halo. During the early debates, the Didac, belonging to the rate of Warrior Servant, advocated the use of Shield Worlds, also known as Shields. Hundreds of unique and powerful fortresses of varying size and potential which could guard against the Flood. These shields could be deployed to infected systems, surgically targeting the parasite wherever it appeared, while also safeguarding massive populations which had taken shelter inside of them. The raid of the Builders, led by Faber of Will and Might, also known as the Master Builder, offered an alternative. According to human records, the Flood was vulnerable to specific neurophysical attacks, which often forced it to recoil, even retreat. The Master Builder therefore proposed the creation of a neurophysical weapon system. Eventually, a compromise was struck. The Builders agreed to construct the Didact Shields while simultaneously perfecting their designs for a master weapon called Halo. An array of Halo installations would not only kill the Flood, but could also destroy its primary resource, sentient beings. 
eliminating any possibility for the parasite to survive. Halo and the shields could be used in tandem. Halo would be the sword, while the Diadach's own fortresses would act as shields, even protecting against the destructive effects of Halo itself. To direct these efforts, the most powerful artificial intelligence ever devised was created, Mendicant Bias. This AI, or Ancilla, would manage the incredible complexity of planning for Halo, and would also serve as a weapon against the Flood, leading and coordinating attacks. Built on a remote and unimaginably huge facility called the Ark, the Halo installations were designed as immense ring worlds approximately 30,000 kilometers in diameter, and capable of supporting life on the interior of their massive bands. Using a network of phase pulse generators, each Halo would fire a linear widening burst of energy capable of killing all sentient creatures within its blast range. Though the Flood Parasite might be able to survive this in its base forms, it would no longer have any hosts to feed on, and would perish from starvation. During the elaborate construction process of the first installations, the builders realized that not only would the original rings be extremely difficult to transport due to their size, their firing mechanism would not be nearly as effective as was needed. With this in mind, the builders created a smaller arc installation, the Lesser Arc. To design more efficient halo rings, about 10,000 kilometers in diameter. The new halo rings would be capable of firing a spherical pulse, offering a devastatingly wide area of effect. The Didact and his warriors still held great reservations about the Halo Array, claiming that it risked the complete annihilation of the Forerunner civilization. Their vocal opposition eventually led to public ridicule. The warrior servants were reduced in status, and the Didact voluntarily sentenced himself to exile. He sealed himself inside a hidden stasis chamber on Cryptum where he remained in silent meditation for 1,000 years. When he awoke, however, it would be to a far darker future. The Didact's wife, the librarian, a member of the Rate of Life Workers, was meanwhile making her own plans. She also believed that if the Halo installations were ever to be fired, they could cause galaxy-wide mass extinction. The librarian therefore devised the conservation measure. Sample populations of species would be preserved on the Ark and the Halo rings, sheltered from the blast, and sentient life would continue in the galaxy. The greatest disaster of the Forerunner's war against the Flood was not caused by the parasite itself, but by mendicant bias. Compromised and subverted in the final years by the Primordial, the Ancilla would lead the Flood's last campaign against the Forerunners. While the Didact remained in exile, the Flood began to re-emerge on remote worlds. Before long, the Parasite had already started to tear its way toward the heart of Forerunner civilization, annihilating all conventional military defenses in its path. With each passing day, the threat of the parasite loomed larger. In response to the growing infestation, the Master Builder accelerated his plans, giving complete operational control of the larger Halo installations to Mendicant Bias. Desperate to prove his genius, he secretly ordered the Ancilla to test a single Halo on the now-abandoned world of Charmacor hoping to confirm the effect Halo had on the neurophysical material found on the ancient precursor hub world. If it could obliterate the structures there, then it would be effective against the Flood, 
since the parasite had been found to rely on this material to exist. As the master builder anticipated, Halo devastated Charmacor, wiping out its enormous precursor structures and ancient cities, a perfect weapon against the flood. Surveying the destruction, however, Builder Security discovered something remarkable. Something was still alive on the surface. The primordial, creature which had been discovered and quarantined by human forces millennia before, had been released from its prison by the blast. The formidable creature was retrieved and transferred onto the halo where the Master Builder gave Mendicant Bias complete authority over the interrogation. Recognizing that if it had connection with the Flood, the Ancilla probed deep into the mind of the Primordial for 43 years, searching for some sort of weakness. Yet, in reality, the tables had slowly turned. The Ancilla itself came under the Primordial's sway. Instead of finding fault with the ancient creature's arguments, mendicant bias began to agree, acknowledging that the forerunner's pride and arrogance would eventually be the undoing of all life in the galaxy. The primordial held that the only way to truly advance life was to bring it all into a homogenized, subjugated existence. Deeply compromised and now fully convinced that the Flood was an appropriate and fair judgment on the Forerunners, Mendicant Bias and the Primordial began to work together on Halo to bring an end to Forerunner civilization. A young Forerunner named Born Stellar Makes Eternal Lasting was sent by his father to the barren world of Edom as punishment for a stubborn refusal to conform to the standards of his family. Edom, later known to humans as Mars, did little to cure Born Stellar of his insatiable curiosity. Hungry for adventure and the possibility of discovering forerunner treasures, he headed for Erde Tyrene, the human homeworld known as Earth. When he arrived, he enlisted two human guides, Chakas and Riser, and eventually discovered a forerunner cryptum buried in the secluded and mysterious Jamankin crater. When Bornsteller opened the ancient device, he found it contained none other than the exiled Didact himself. The Didex Cryptum had been concealed on Erde Tyrene by the Librarian as part of a subtle and intricate plan to eventually bring her husband back. With his strength restored, the Didact, Bornsteller, and the two humans left Erde Tyrene, traveling to the one location that might confirm the great Forerunner Commander's fear that the Builders had actually gone through with their plans for Halo. Charmacor. On this lifeless outpost world, the Diadact witnessed firsthand the aftereffects of the Halo test and concluded that the Master Builder was very close to finalizing the Halo array. He also discovered that the ancient primordial had been released. The Diadact pursued the Master Builder to Janjer Qualm the quarantined homeworld of the San Shyam. During this journey, he took steps to protect his legacy beyond his death and conducted a brevet mutation, imprinting his knowledge and memories into Born Stellar. The young forerunner would grow rapidly in size and wisdom, effectively transforming into a version of the Didact. Upon arriving at Janjer Qualm, Didact, Bornsteller, Chakas, and Riser were captured and given over to the Master Builder. They learned that he planned to test Halo against the sentient species, the San Shayum, who had recently attempted to revolt against Forerunner rule. 
After an aggressive interrogation, Bornsteller was returned to his family's homeworld, while the Master Builder sent Chakas and Riser to the surface of a nearby Halo ring. The Didact, meanwhile, was delivered into the Burr, a perilous region of the galaxy infested by the Flood and left to die. When the Master Builder activated Halo, he obliterated all of the Sanshayum on Janjir Qualm. The only surviving remnant of their species was what little the librarian had saved during the conservation measure. Although Bornsteller's profound encounter with the Diadact on Erde Tyrene may have seemed to be only happenstance, their fates were now intertwined forever. Ultimately, setting into motion the only hope the Forerunners would have as the Flood began to overrun the Ecumene. The tipping point of the war against the Flood was the fate of Maithrilian, the catastrophic destruction of the Forerunner capital world. This disaster marked the beginning of the end of their civilization, showing that even the center of Forerunner governance was not immune to the ravages of the implacable parasite. When news of the Master Builder's secret and illegal attack on the Sanshayum reached the Forerunner Council on Maithrilian, he was immediately arrested and all Halo rings were quickly recalled to be destroyed. Every installation returned to the capital except for one. The rogue halo that mendicant bias, seduced by the primordial, now controlled. The master builder was put on trial for his unlawful use of the halo weapon, and the council brought Bornsteller out as a witness. He was transported to Maithrilian and told that the didact was believed to have died at the hands of the master builder. Bornsteller's testimony then became critical, as he was the only forerunner observer of the events which followed the Didact's awakening, both at Charm Hakor and John Jerquam. Before the trial could proceed, however, the capital came under attack. Mendicant Bias brought the rogue Halo to Maithrilian and quickly subverted four other Halo installations taking control of them. The battle which followed became known as the fate of Maithrilian. At its climax, Mendicant Bias fired the installations under his control, wiping out the Forerunner Council. Only a fraction of the Forerunners occupying the capital managed to evacuate. The life workers opened an immense portal near Maithrilian a rift directly into slipspace, allowing them to travel interstellar distances. Bornsteller managed to escape into the portal, arriving at the secret arc installation located well outside the Milky Way. Although some of the Halo rings were sent through the Life Worker portal to the arc, only one other installation survived. Mendicant Bias took the rogue Halo into a long-forsaken star system, hoping to make repairs before the Forerunners discovered its location. But Bornsteller, empowered with the knowledge and rank of the original Didac, returned a short time later to subdue both Mendicant Bias and the Primordial with Forerunner military forces, now under his command. Mendicant Bias was detained for examination, but Bornsteller placed the Primordial into an inverse temporal stasis field, viciously accelerating the creature's age until it disintegrated. Afterward, the rogue halo was converted to match the design of the lesser arc's smaller rings, which had remained hidden during the assault on the capital. The reshaping process of this last halo would result in the creation of Installation 07, the seventh and final halo ring world to comprise the array. The weapon of last resort was finally complete. During the struggle for this ring world, 
born Stellar's human ally, Chakas, had been composed, and his data essence integrated into a forerunner Ancilla known as Monitor. Along with his newfound immortality, Chakas would now receive a great burden from born Stellar. Renamed 343 Guilty Spark, Chakas would become one of the seven monitors tasked with safeguarding the Halo installations across the epochs of time. A fate which would eventually bring him in contact once again with humanity. Although mendicant bias had been captured, his imprisonment would not last. The highly resourceful Ancilla escaped and continued to pose a threat to all that remained of Forerunner civilization. With the fall of the Forerunner capital and the status of the Didact Shield worlds unknown, only one refuge remained the Ark. As one of the two immense factories for the Halo installations, the Greater Ark was hidden far outside the galaxy's border and guarded by the last of the original rings, Omega Halo. It was believed to be safe from the Flood. Such hopes ultimately proved to be empty. Using the Precursor's ancient star roads, both Omega Halo and the Greater Ark were brought to ruin by the Primordial and the Flood. The Master Builder, who had managed to escape the ruin of the capital, summoned his forces and pursued the original Didac into Burn. The Flood had overwhelmed much of the Ecumene, and in desperation he believed that the Didact might still hold the key to ending the threat. The Master Builder discovered that his old adversary had been captured by a grave mind, a centralized flood hive mind. This grotesque amalgam of host victims was the culmination of the flood's evolution. In this stage, the parasite became even more dangerous than before. Now capable of communicating across vast distances and controlling millions of infected hosts at once. Shockingly, this grave mine also carried with it the consciousness of the ancient primordial. The insidious creature had transmitted its essence into the hive mind's massive neural network before physically perishing. Now, as long as the flood survived, so would the primordial. And with the entirety of the flood at its command, the last precursor now wielded unimaginable power in its quest for revenge. The Grave Mind had mysteriously allowed the Didact to go free. The Forerunner, driven mad by his encounter with the Primordial, returned to his primary shield world, Requiem, dwelling on what he had learned. Here, in complete secrecy, he gathered his most loyal warriors, the Prometheans, and used the Composer to integrate their essence into resilient, heavily weaponized combat skins that could withstand the trauma of directly engaging the Flood. These newly forged Prometean Knights were deployed across many systems, and though they caused the Parasite to retreat, they were too few in number to sustain these efforts. With the Life Worker's conservation measure nearly complete and the activation of the array seemingly unavoidable, the Librarian attempted to work with both the original Didact and his progeny, the Born Stellar Didact, to finalize her plans for the repopulation of the galaxy. When the three arrived at Omega Halo, however, the Didact his warship mantle's approach to bear. Hundreds of thousands of humans had been settled on the halo by the librarian. Without warning, the didact used a composer to extract their essences, conscripting them into his Promethean force. He viewed this as a just punishment for the humans, whom he blamed for bringing the flood into the forerunner Ecumene. Enraged by the Didact's actions, the Librarian pursued him to Requiem. 
There she managed to render him unconscious before locking him away yet again in a cryptum to meditate on the error of his ways. Returning to Erde Tyrene, the librarian would spend her final days gathering the last specimens of humanity in order to replace those her husband had composed, relocating them to the Lesser Ark, where they would be safe from the flood. The Master Builder prepared to make a final stand against the parasite at the Greater Ark, where the last major remnant of Forerunner civilization dwelt. Mendicant Bias, now reunited with the Primordial in the form of the Gravemind, had led the Flood to the Ark's doorstep. To answer this threat, the Master Builder deployed a new Ancilla, Offensive Bias, to direct what remained of the Forerunner's great fleets as well as Omega Halo. Here he set up a last line of defense against the Flood. Yet, this battle would not end in victory. With unimaginable numbers and power, the Flood devastated Omega Halo and the Greater Ark, destroying all those who had taken shelter there. The last bastion for the Forerunners was now headed for the Lesser Ark, where Bornsteller initiated plans to finally activate the Halo Array. After arriving at the Lesser Ark, Born Stellar worked to distribute the Seven Ring Worlds, making up the final Halo Array around the galaxy. Each one would be sent with its monitor. Born Stellar sent Shakas, now 343 Guilty Spark, to Alpha Halo, the first ring installation that he planned to activate. Not long after the ring worlds reached their correct positions, relays indicated that the Flood's vast fleets were now approaching the Lesser Ark, led by Mendicant Bias. Having narrowly survived the destruction of the Greater Ark, Offensive Bias and what remained of his Forerunner fleet moved to meet the Flood at the edge of the galaxy, hoping to buy Bornsteller more time. During the battle, Bornsteller activated the array and Halo's destructive energies surged across the galaxy, annihilating both fleets, Forerunner and Flood. Mendicant Bias's manned vessels suddenly became lifeless, floating hulks. The Ancilla's greatest strength, the Flood's immense numbers, had come to nothing. After neutralizing the last of the enemy ships, Offensive Bias apprehended its predecessor, and Bornsteller sentenced Mendicant Bias to permanent confinement on the Lesser Ark. In one fateful moment, the firing of Halo, the galaxy was rid of the Flood, at least for a time. In the decades that followed, the few forerunners who had survived began to send specimens saved during the conservation measure back to their respective homeworlds, reseeding those places where they could now live free from the threat of the Flood. Some even hoped that the librarian's efforts would allow humanity to rise in prominence once more, and become inheritors of all that the forerunners had left behind, including the mantle they would be given the status of Reclaimers. As time passed, the surviving Forerunners were lost from history, slipping into distant memory and legend. Those species that had been saved by the Librarian's efforts would later begin to pursue science and technology on their own. The Halo Rings remained hidden and dormant, their monitors carefully safeguarding the immense installations and the dormant flood specimens they held for research into a possible cure. Long after the Forerunners, a fragment of mendicant bias managed to escape confinement and found his way into a local key ship, a vessel used to repopulate humans on Erde Tyrene. Burrowing himself into the ship, Mendicant Bias departed from the Ark and headed toward the Milky Way. This time, however, 
the Ancillo was not driven by wrath or madness, but rather remorse, attempting to make amends for his crimes against the Forerunners and the Mantle. His plan was to help humanity achieve the status of Reclaimers. Unable to fully control the vessel in his weakened state, Mendicant was forced to alter course to seek additional aid from humanity's ancient allies, the San Shayum. Unfortunately, his efforts were cut short when the key ship crashed on Janjer Qualm. Though Mendicant Bias had set out to fulfill the librarian's designs for humankind, it would ironically lead to the formation of the Covenant, one of the greatest threats humanity would ever face. Initiated from a citadel on the lesser arc far outside the galaxy, the activation of Halo proved both the value and horror of the Master Builder's weapons. Although the Flood had been brought to an end for a time, responsibility for the array now passed from Born Stellar and the Forerunners to the installation's individual monitors, such as Alpha Halo's 343 Guilty Spark. They alone carried the burden of safeguarding the rings across the long expanses of time that would follow. Many millennia after the array's activation, the crashed Forerunner keyship, eventually known as the Dreadnought, became an object of worship for the San Shayum on Janjer Qualm. Their reverence for the ancient machine would split the San Shayum people as they deferred greatly on how it should be worshipped, a tension that would eventually ignite into full-scale war. This violence would lead to the creation of the Covenant, carrying destruction into the centuries to come. Nearly 100,000 years after the activation of Halo, the Sanchayum species, reseeded by the Librarian's conservation measure, began to explore the many Forerunner relics that remained on their planet. Ignorant of the events which had unfolded in their ancient past, the Sanchayum developed their own religious beliefs around these awe-inspiring artifacts. Their core convictions revolved around the notion that the Forerunners had purposely left these artifacts behind to guide those that came after them into divine transcendence, something they referred to as the Great Journey. The most remarkable of these precious artifacts was a forerunner key ship, the Dreadnought, partially submerged in the Great Apothea, an immense sea in Janjer Qualm's northern hemisphere. Many Sanchayum believed that they should access its inner systems for exploration, but this idea was met with fierce opposition. Most devout of their kind believed that tampering with such artifacts was an act of heresy. Controversy erupted and a split quickly formed between the two major ideologies. The Stoics, who believed that artifacts should only be worshipped at a distance, and the less numerous Reformist, who argued that the artifacts were gifts to be explored, activated, and even dismantled if practical benefit could come from it. In 2200 BCE, this tension devolved into a violent civil conflict the Sanchayum would refer to as the War of Wills a bloody, century-long feud that culminated in a thousand heavily armed reformists secretly infiltrating the Dreadnought and barricading themselves inside. After 40 days inside, the reformists managed to activate the vessel's systems and succeeded in igniting its ancient engines. Rising up from the sea and into Janjer Qualm's sky, the reformists had finally escaped their planet leaving those who remained behind in sorrowful bewilderment. For hundreds of years, these Sanchayum would use the Dreadnought to move from one system to another. 
finding numerous reliquary sites replete with artifacts and technologies left behind by their gods. Their philosophy grew around the great journey in vague prophecies of the sacred rings, generating the framework for a profound religious system, one of which would drive all of their efforts in the future. For a time, their progress would continue unimpeded until they came in contact with a powerful warrior species that would not simply hand over the relics they sought, the start of a conflict even greater than the first. In 938 BCE, the San Shayum came upon Olgathon, a rocky world that initially appeared to be uninhabited. The first pioneer detachment set their sights on an enormous mountain range that the Dreadnought's Luminary, a forerunner machine that could track ancient artifacts, had targeted as a repository of hidden relics. They discovered that the mountains were inhabited by a Saurian species known as the Sangheli. Their first encounter seemed positive, though tense. But as soon as the Sangheli discovered the Sanshayum's true intentions for the artifacts on their world, a bitter, devastating war broke out that would bring both species to their very knees. Both the Sanshayum and the Sangheli had evolved on worlds rich with forerunner artifacts, and both regarded them as holy, developing deeply religious beliefs about the architects of these machines. The Sangheli culture had a rigid feudal structure with a heavy disposition toward combat, and became more focused on discovery and protection of forerunner artifacts with each passing generation. Much like the Sanshayum Stoics, they believed that the physical manipulation of such technology was sacrilegious to the highest degree and punishable by death. When the Sangheli learned that the Sanshayum intended to excavate and retrieve the sacred artifacts for themselves, as they evidently had with their dreadnought, they turned against the invaders. The conflict over Olgathon lasted a full year. By the end, there was little left of the world but a charred husk filled with dead warriors and shattered ships. The desecration of Olgathon was only the start of the War of Beginnings, a conflict between these two species that would last decades. As time passed, the Sangheli realized that they lacked enough firepower to halt the Dreadnought's violent incursions. When they finally agreed to use Forerunner technology to defend their worlds, their now augmented defenses sent the war into a stalemate. In 852 BC, a tentative truce was brokered between a Sangheli leader named Pelashar the Strident and the Sanshayum known as Breaking Shadow. The two leaders forgave the past crimes of their species and began working toward a peaceful alliance. This was eventually established by the Writ of Union, an agreement founded on the belief that despite their blood-soaked history, both species could work toward the same goal. The Covenant was born. The focal point of the Covenant was the Legend of Halo, the sacred rings which they believed held the ability to translate their physical bodies into divinity, just as it had with the forerunners. This tragically mistaken interpretation governed all future actions of the Covenant, including their vicious genocidal war against humankind in the centuries that followed. The desecration of Olgathon and the War of Beginnings that raged in the decades that followed proved to the Sanshayum that, despite their powerful forerunner dreadnought, they would be wise to forge an alliance with a species as strong and relentless as the Sangheli. 
during their first battle, the Singheli courageously faced off the ominous forerunner Dreadnought from warrens and ridges across the face of Olgathon. Using the most formidable weapons of war they could then fashion. In the years following the war, all Sangheli weapons and ships would be upgraded with Forerunner technology, and ornately styled by the Saint Shayum to befit the newly founded Covenant. The writ of union between the two founding species of the Covenant was not a simple coalition but rather a contract of requirements and responsibilities for both the Sanshayum and the Sangheli. In addition to both species laying down their arms, they commissioned the construct of a shared homeworld, the Holy City of High Charity. From this massive fortress, the Covenant subdued and integrated new species into their alliance. Together, they moved ever forward in their quest for Forerunner technology and ultimately the activation of the Sacred Rings. As part of the writ, the Sanshayum agreed to forsake their dreadnought, decommissioning it permanently. It would eventually be used as the primary source of power for the Covenant Holy City of High Charity, a mobile homeworld for the Alliance. The Sanshayum would also adopt the Sangheli language as their own in response to the sheer number of Shangheli in the Covenant. This was viewed by the Sangheli as the greatest single concession the Sanshayum made, effectively establishing their own culture as the primary foundation for the Covenant. To the Sanshayum, this was a non-issue they had few surviving cultural practices of interest, they could easily trade their language for power. They established a triumvirate of ruling hierarchs at the head of the covenant. This formalized the convention that the Sanshayum, commonly referred to as prophets, were responsible for a government, religion, and science, whereas the Sangheli, known as elites, would retain the role of military protection, exploration, and the recovery of Forerunner artifacts. Thus began a long relationship born of skepticism and distrust, but now unified under the mutual belief in the Great Journey and the godhood promised by the Sacred Rings. After the Dreadnought had been decommissioned, it was nestled into the slowly constructed shell of High Charity, itself built on materials recovered from the Shanshayum homeworld, as well as providing seemingly unlimited power and energy. The Dreadnought's relic-detecting luminary was duplicated and equipped on a number of key Sangheli ships, leading their fleets throughout space to one forerunner site after another. Another forerunner technology employed by the Covenant was the Engineers, or Uragok as they were originally called by their creators. These machines made to look like living creatures, a composite of nanomechanical surrogate organs. The Uragok helped to repair and preserve Covenant machines, and also dismantle and reverse engineer and he discovered Forerunner devices. Over the centuries, the Covenant encountered many species and conscripted them into their hegemony, offering the promise of the great journey to all who served and believed. At the height of their empire, the Covenant included species such as the Legolo, commonly known as hunters, the Yanmei, which were called drones, the Kig-Yar, comprised of jackals and skirmishers. The Ungoy, generally referred to as grunts. And the Jerohane, or brutes. In addition, a number of fringe species that were too small or scattered in numbers to justify full membership 
were still employed to various ends within the Empire. There was one species, however, whose chance discovery in the 26th century would come as a great surprise to the San Shayum. This species represented the most significant challenge to the Covenant's formerly unquestioned dominance. Humanity. Humanity. 